Hi, this is Russ. Uh, we are now going on to session six. Hey, just been uh, thinking about all the students, and uh, I know that some of you are going through some uh, strange experiences. A number of you have written to me saying that uh, you've really been going through some trouble and uh, warfare and things like that. And all I can tell you, is, especially as you've gone over or you're going to be going over session five, uh, the two CDs, when you uh, see where I mentioned that I believe that Satan does know prophecy, uh, he knew the prophecy about the coming of Jesus and was there waiting. He also knew and knows about uh, the second coming and uh, the plans that he's making to try to try to stop that. Now, I also want to say to you that when uh, the disciples, the early disciples, were meeting with Jesus for three years and they were at the, the Lord's uh, Supper, what we call the, the Lord's Table, the last uh, meal that they had together before Jesus was taken and crucified. If you remember, Jesus spoke to them and said, uh, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. Now there's a key to this because uh, when we make new commitments or when God speaks to us about something or gives us a word, or all of a sudden we're, we're, you know, we're really committed to daily prayer time and daily you know, things like that, the, the enemy sees that. He knows you know, when God unleashes a new uh, charismatic gifting in our life to use uh, in ministry, or we have a, a word that comes to us uh, that God's going to use our life, you know, an answer to prayer, well, that's when I think the enemy comes like he did with the disciples. They were getting ready to be launched into great ministry. They'd been trained. Many things were occurring. But they weren't, uh, they weren't, they didn't have the spiritual warfare aspect down yet. It's obvious. They had seen so many things and heard Jesus so long. And so I want to make sure that you do not get discouraged. Uh, we had one uh, student that came in late. Uh, that um, I was told uh, didn't want to come back to the class because they were having too much warfare. And they'd only been there once or I think maybe three, once or twice, uh, maybe a third time because there was a visit they had. But um, I've seen this happen over the years. We might have thirty some students come to a course and end up uh, seeing twenty of them finish. I believe that's because the enemy sees the progress. Uh, what that knowledge and insight and ability that God is going to put in you will do for the future. And uh, just like those early disciples who were being ready to be launched uh, out into great ministry that would turn the world upside down, Satan came to sift them. Satan came to attack them. Now you'll notice something about the story. They, uh, weren't, they were not even aware of what was going on. Jesus knew who was in the room, not just the disciples. This is that procedure, I think, that you and I spiritually uh, need to have, to have a discerning sense about the enemy's presence. One great thing is to know the presence of Jesus every single day, to be in the presence of the Lord, to know that Christ is in you, the Spirit of God. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. And so there can be this sense of uh, unceasing, unbroken presence with Christ. But in that, and as you're walking along and moving along spiritually on a daily basis, that's why um, I've encouraged uh, with the prayer mapping that uh, we, we come to a point in that time of our prayer where we're saying, Lord, is the enemy doing anything? Where we kind of kick back a little bit to discern, to kind of uh, look around us spiritually, to sense, to see spiritually 
Uh, Lord, what is the enemy doing? What do I sense from the Spirit of God the enemy is attacking me with? Uh, Lord Jesus, reveal to me um, what the enemy may be doing right now. Now, that's a very vital thing. None of those disciples, you know, while they're eating and doing things, ask Jesus. You know, nor did Satan. Satan didn't ask when he could best come and do things. He didn't ask when it's convenient. It could be at supper time. It can be at nighttime when you're getting ready to go to bed that the enemy wants to try to hit you up. Now, listen, the goal is to crush your faith so you will not go forward. Jesus was there all along, though, and said that he would pray for them that their faith would not fail. That means, a fail means to give up permanently. So listen, God has given you a divine appointment. God has done things in your life already. God has great plans for you. The will of God is to make you strong. The will of God is to make you bold. The will of God is to make you knowledgeable, to fill you and keep you filled with the Spirit of God. The will of God is to cause you to bear fruit. John 15 says that. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, that we've been created in Christ Jesus to bear, to do what? To do good works, to bear fruit that God created in advance for us to do. He, he's prepared all the ministry. And uh, so I want to make sure that you don't get discouraged at all if you get behind or if you um, go through some, some spiritual trauma where Satan is trying to attack your faith and, uh, and topple you. Because if he can grab your faith, that's the issue. Without faith, we can't please God. We, we simply can't. As a matter of fact, you'll never do or experience any more than you believe. We always, we always got to begin with believing God, then launching from that faith. To accept by faith He dwells in me unceasingly, and uh, then I can begin to have an unbroken fellowship at any moment of the day, in any day of the week, that I can fellowship with God knowing that He'll never leave me, never forsake me, that Christ is with me to the very end of the age. And so when I begin to believe and, and trust and then give commitment to Christ, if I decide this week that I, I say, Lord, I want to win souls to Christ this week, and I'm going to go out and I'm praying, and I'm going to pray every day boldly through the prayer map, and I'm going to be praying for revival and souls and churches and blessing on Christians and strengthening them. And God, I'm going to be praying against the enemy and praying and, and uh, using the authority of Christ and and seeing prayer be a blessing and also a weapon. Well, of course the enemy wants to stop that. And that's where um, the knowledge of the Word of God and the knowledge of things uh, enables you, but again, your own commitment, your perseverance, your endurance is what takes you through. So I want to encourage you both by my own personal experience, saying that, you know what, there are times oppression comes. There are times that attack comes from the enemy. But I found the be the best thing in the world is not to just uh, be suppressed and uh, pushed back and quieted. No, we must move forward and be strong and continue to grow and praise God. It's best not to sit back and decide to be a survivalist. No, we need to uh, be go beyond being a, a survivalist and being survival mode. We need to stand before the Lord on a daily basis, being committed to Him, and even when it's tough, to praise Him, to work through it, not just grit our teeth and barely, you know, bear it and make it through. And No, begin to give God praise and thanksgiving and worship God. Don't let Satan stop your worship and your praise and your fellowship with Jesus. 
You know, in the, in the Psalms we read in Psalm 18 that he's our rock, our fortress, and our deliverer. That's what he is. He's my rock, he's my fortress, he's my deliverer. Now you think through that as you read in the Psalms. Man, this is what Jesus is. The, the throne of heaven and the sovereign uh, work of my Lord Jesus Christ is, uh, uh, is, is unchanged. And cannot be broken. Uh, nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ. Not Nothing in heaven and earth and demons and angels. Nothing as we read in the very end of the chapter of chapter 8 in the book of Romans. Uh, nothing can separate us. Nothing in all creation. And this is a tremendous thing to know and to boldly take hold of. So when you're feeling uh, oppressed and attacked and things like that, let me tell you something. Just get before the Lord and express yourself before the Lord boldly. I tell my wife sometimes, you know, just are you marching? What I mean by that, sometimes when I have felt pressured down and oppressed and fought against and things haven't gone right, you know, and you can begin to feel like you're sagging and literally falling to the ground. Well, I have found that if I get up and, and literally I just stand before the Lord to give, to give Him praise, I put a praise CD on and praise Him. But I've literally just physically marched around in my little study down here, praising God and giving thanks, kind of like around the walls of Jericho, as they marched. And uh, in that process of exerting forward, exalting in the Lord, I find the Spirit of God coming through, strengthening me, building me. And uh, re as I stand and rebuke the enemy and, and, and remind myself of the promises of God and, uh, and, and decide that I'm not going to be suppressed and quieted. And uh, even if Satan's going to be you know, hitting up on my life, you know what? I need to get up and praise God and worship God. You know, use the authority of the Lord. You know, submit to God, resist the devil, and I know he will flee from me. And I know that um, at the proper time, I will receive the harvest. So I encourage you to not just, you know, if some of you are just barely making it through, you know what? Stand up. Stand up for Jesus, as the old hymn says. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Listen, lift high the banner. Listen, give God the praise on a daily basis. Give God your, your, all of your worship. Surrender again afresh to the Spirit of God. Let Him examine you to see if there's uh, any anger and bitterness and issues and sins and so forth. Uh, clear those things out of the way. Like the psalm writer in Psalm 139, you know, when he cries out, you know, um, Search me, O God, and see if there's any uh, offensive thing in my life. Well, I ask the Lord to search and uh, give me discernment. I don't want—I want to be aware of what the enemy's doing. And uh, so I, I encourage you to to stand up in the Lord more than anything else. Just keep being faithful to the Lord. You'll never regret being faithful to Jesus and being strong in the Lord on a daily basis, even when you have trouble, frustration, things coming against you, you'll never regret if you keep giving the praise, if you keep giving the worship, if you keep you know, praying out and decide to, you know, that you're not going to let the enemy take anything from you. Now I'll tell you when you do regret, when you sit back and you worry and uh, you uh, feel just uh, crushed and you just, you know, you do nothing. And then, then it, it's even worse, and you feel depressed, and you and you feel like days have gone by, and then eventually, you know, you get right, you know, you get back up and say, "I can't take this any longer. I'm going to serve the Lord," and and you start doing it then. But you know what? You regret missing a number of days living strongly and in the power of God. If you if you see Satan stealing your faith, here's some of the evidence: you're not praying, 
you're worrying. You're spending more time worrying than you are praying. You're spending more time, uh, you know, few, you know, fussing and fuming over issues than you are praising God and worshiping and embracing God. You find yourself sometimes under spiritual attack, even becoming frustrated and angry, and the devil's looking for a way to get you mad at God and get you mad at every situation and to give up. And uh, that's just the opposite of what God wants to do in your life. So I want to encourage you right now that uh, Jesus Christ is uh, your King. He is the living Christ. And the Word of God says, both in the Old and in the New, cast your cares. It can be translated, cast your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. Now that's tremendous. Here again is the infinite but yet relational God who loves you, who listens to you, who cares. Uh, the devil's a liar. The devil, through your emotions and through attack, is going to be trying to scream out to you that God's not listening, God's not hearing. You're going to feel like God's not around, feel like God's not you know, uh, hearing your prayers, feel like your prayers are not getting through. And that's all the satanic oppression and everything else, because it all speaks against the truth. The truth is, Jesus Christ never left you. The truth is, He's with you. The truth is, He cares about all the things about your life. The truth is that He loves you every single day, that His blood is as good today as it was yesterday. The The good news is that, you know, you have brothers and sisters that do love you, and, uh, you know, even little old me out here uh, praying for you and saying that by name, I, you know, Lord God, remember this one, this one, this one. I go through your names. I'll do it today, and I'll do it this week as I send out the sessions and say, God bless them and shape them. Because you know what? I've learned by this time after 30-some years that uh, even as you're taking, you know, a person can decide to take and say, you know what, I'm going to study the Gospel of John for the next 30 days. I'm going to just keep reading it, reading it, reading it, reading it, put it into practice. Guess what? You're going to learn. You're going to grow. You're going to be built up in the Lord. You're going to find yourself. And that's all it takes God wants us active in our development and our growth. That's why in Second Peter, you can read where it says, Second uh, Peter chapter 1, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own goodness and glory. Now listen, you go down one other verse, it talks about participating in divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world. Then we read this verse. Uh, that therefore, because of these things, make every effort to add to your faith. The word every effort is the Greek word spude, meaning every fiber of your being. You know, when a person goes out in a marching band to march down the road, march left and right and so forth, they're putting, they're putting action, they're making effort. And um, spude comes from the Greek wrestling games, where one wrestler is is putting forth every ounce of his uh, of his uh, muscular you know strength to to pin down the opponent. Well, God's saying to put forth uh, you know all the effort you can, put out all the effort you can to grow and to grasp knowledge and to grow in the Lord and to pray. Make the most of every opportunity, as the Holy Spirit says in Ephesians chapter five. So may I encourage you that there are times you can just sit back and say, Lord Jesus, please minister to me. Pick up the Psalms and just begin to read the Psalms, you know, and, and let God, just as you're reading one and two and three, read two, three, four, five chapters and let, let Jesus just come through and speak to you and build you and talk to you. He'll do that. He's right there with you. He hasn't changed. I know he's right here with me as I'm talking. I feel his presence and his blessing and his care for my soul and yours, even as I speak to you. As I share some of these truths, I feel his, uh, his presence and his uh, character and his nature. Uh, in Psalm 18, 
that he is clearly my rock and he is my fortress and he is my deliverer. And uh, he is the God who gets up for me and, and works on my behalf. But that doesn't mean that there's times that I need to get up and, 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 and persevere and endure. I mean, check out, check out you know, if he, Hebrews chapter 12 sometime, where it talks about, you know, the, about his own endurance, that he, he endured you know, the cross. For the joy set before me, he endured the cross. He scorned the shame of it. So may I encourage you today, to wipe off the frustration, to wipe off the uh, you know fears and feelings and so forth, to surrender afresh to the living Jesus who's living in you and with you right this moment. Just surrender over issues to him. Lord Jesus, I hand over this care and this anxiety and this issue and that issue, and I'm asking you to bless. I mean, Satan might be attacking your finances, whatever, whatever he may do to discourage you and steal and rob your faith. You know what? Um, Norman Grubb, a great missionary, I, I believe was uh, associated with C.T. Studd, the great missionary, also out of England. Uh, once was uh, I was reading one of his m- books one time, and I remember a phrase that faith in time av- in ad- uh, faith in time of adversity makes the serpent swallow himself. Faith in times of adversity makes the serpent swallow himself. Now, that's a very powerful little statement. And uh, I believe that's true. So stand up and boldly put your faith in Jesus. Boldly put your faith in every word of God so that you can experience God's grace. That's opening the window again to God. Opening the window again to His grace and mercies flowing through you. And uh, remember Ephesians 11.6. It's impossible to please God without faith. Those who come to him must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. And so we, we need to realize that if Satan can steal your faith, he can steal a lot from you, incapacitate you, keep you from experiencing and uh, also bearing fruit and discourage you and take you down that spiral of de- spiritual depression. Shake it off. Stand up in the presence of Jesus, uh, surrender things to him, rebuke the enemy in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, confess the word of God. As it says in Jude verse 20, build yourself up in your most holy faith. You know, I used to preach for years to the congregation, so much so that they were able to finish the sentence. I would say sometimes to the congregation, if you have no one to preach to you the word of God, preach it to yourself. If no one's preaching to you the Word of God, preach the Word of God to yourself. And that's what Jude verse 20 is all about. Just preach that Word of faith, Word of life, Word of grace, that living Word back to you. Get in His presence. March in your worship and in your praise and in your thanksgiving. Stand strong before the Lord and strengthen yourself in the Lord. Then launch out again in prayer, in witness, in serving Jesus and uh, you will not regret staying faithful. You will not regret, uh, you know, enduring and persevering. Uh, if you endure and persevere uh, with praise and prayer uh, in your heart and on your lips, uh, you will find that you're able to move through and find His presence. And uh, so I simply pray for you today, especially today, halfway through this course encouraging every one of you to be very strong in the Lord and in His mighty power 
His express power. God has more to do in your life and through your life. He really does. He has uh, much fruit that He wants you to bear. And uh, you'll be able to do that. So uh, may you be encouraged in the name of the Lord Jesus. May His Spirit strengthen you in the inner man uh, by with power. Uh, dunamis is the Greek word. So that Christ will livingly, experientially dwell uh, in your heart through faith. That you will know and experience the love of God that surpasses knowledge. Uh, that you might be filled to the full measure of God. Filled to the full measure of God. Ephesians 3, verses 14 on down. Pray that prayer for all the other students. Pray that prayer for yourself. And uh, allow yourself to be encouraged. Well, I just felt I needed to share that at the beginning of session 6. And uh, session 6 is only one page of notes. It's kind of like your homework page for a week. And uh, we have it entitled, Is it Real or Is it Memorex? Well, I did that in this sense. Because uh, you're encouraged this week to read through the book of Daniel two or three or four times. In the next couple of weeks, we're encouraging you to read through Daniel again and again and again and again. Daniel, the book of Daniel, some feel, has been written about 2,300 or 400 years ago. Daniel, a real uh, servant of God, a real person of God, uh, out in exile because of the sins of Israel, uh, he is taken captive. Listen, sometimes the sins of others, the sins of family members, can get you into hot water. The sins of other people can get you into hot water. And obviously, Israel as a whole got into hot water for its sins. Uh, The Babylonian Empire had uh, taken uh, um, Daniel and others as slaves, as captives. Now, the issue in Daniel chapter 1 is, you're going to see this, that they were trying to literally um, turn Daniel and his companions into Babylonians. They want to, they want to uh, literally uh, assimilate him into the Babylonian culture, Babylonian religion, Babylonian everything. So much so that they would even change his name and give him Babylonian names. Now, part of why session 6 is kind of homework is simply going to ask you three specific things to do with the book of Daniel. I mean, I'm asking you to read through it again and again and again and again. The key to this book is uh, revealing this ongoing spiritual battle that has direct impact for this present moment and for the future, all the way to the second coming of Christ, all the way to the great white throne judgment. When the Ancient of Days takes his seat and the books are opened, Man, this is an incredible, incredible revelation that we're going to find in the book of Daniel. Daniel was living in a city of uh, probably 56 separate temples. Demon gods and goddesses being worshipped. He's living in a in a nation now that has subdued the Israelites, taken uh, all of their articles of the temple captive. Uh, they have literally... Uh, uh, you know, have been suppressed and beaten and defeated by a, a demonized uh, culture, a demonized political, demonized military system. Now, this Babylon is a kind of type for the coming global Babylon. That's why it's so important to read now to understand Babylon in its in its in its I don't want to say miniature, but in its smaller uh, nation state that it was there in the Middle East. Uh, where modern-day Iraq is now, we now you know begin to read concerning the beast system in Babylon in the book of Revelation, which will seek to be global, but will be very similar. 
When you read Revelation 18, you're going to read about how Babylon, the system of it, became the home for every demon, every foul bird. Total manifestation. The idea of old Babylon, where Daniel lived, was that every street corner, every nook and cranny, in politics, in the political buildings, in the religious buildings, in the military buildings, in the homes, on the streets, in the marketplaces, uh, in all of commerce, everything was demonized, demon gods, worship to demons, ritual, sacrifice, um, you know, spells, amulets, conjurings, everything you can think of. You're, you're talking about a place so spiritually dark, so spiritually dark, it consumed, it was consuming. We're not there yet. You might think that, hey, man, I live in England or I live in the United States or Europe, and you think we're already in such a darkness. Listen, we're nowhere near where Daniel's uh, nation of, of spiritual darkness was. Now, it's coming. It's coming. The ramping up of the demonic side is coming. And some people get afraid. Somebody told me the other day, man, I'm afraid about all the stuff you talk about, Russ, and some of the stuff that I hear others talk about. I'm, it's really scaring me. Well, let me tell you something. We, we haven't seen anything yet. And that's why I want to encourage you, and I think God in His providence selected uh, this section uh, of, of revelation in history to put down, the book of Daniel, to put it down for us as living words so the Holy Spirit may have content to speak to us today, to encourage us today, to show us how to live in the context of a demonized political system, a demonized military system, a demonized social system, a demonized educational system, a a, a literally uh, demonic manifestation on every street corner uh, with demonic objects and amulets and rituals going on constantly. Uh, just literally fueled uh, the flames of um, uh, demonization in that uh, nation. And the king himself was a demon worshiper. And so we have this incredible place uh, called Babylon that Daniel's living at. And if you read chapter 1, you're going to see how they wanted to assimilate Daniel and the Israelites, take these young men, get them in their educational systems, give them new Babylonian names, do everything they could to make them Babylonians. And as you finish the book of Daniel, you're going to find out nothing they could do could turn Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into Babylonians. But that is the attempt that's what we're finding in Islam. When they talk about peace for the world, that means they want to assimilate everybody into Islam, committed to their Mahdi, which is the, the biblical equivalent of the Antichrist. Either you become one of them, or you're cut off completely. And so we see this, the satanic side of things is, you know, they'll let you live as long as they can assimilate you, uh, and as long as you reject the God of heaven, the living God, and come under the rule um, of, uh, of the God of hell. And so there, there's going to be a great attempt, um, and in our culture and education, you're going to see it all over, there's going to be this constant push for assimilation. Uh, to quiet down anything of the living God. Listen, Daniel had no places to worship. There was no temple, no churches, and so forth. There's no places for him to go to fellowship, to have a Bible study. There's nothing for him to go around and read. There's, there's nothing he can do other than what he's got by himself. He can't pray in public. He can't pray at work. He can't pray anywhere else. So what does Daniel do? He goes home. 
and three times a day. Now I really understand why he needed to pray three times a day. Three times a day to learn that God is his rock, God is his fortress, God is his, Yahweh is his deliverer. And this is absolutely vital, Daniel. But you know what it comes from? In all the assimilation, assimilation, the demonic assimilation, even on the outward to change his clothing, to change his name, to, to do everything they could to, to turn him into a demon-worshipping Babylonian, Daniel, from inside of his heart, never changed. Never changed. You never have to change. Uh, the, nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Daniel, there's a key, and I want you to see it in chapter 1. Out of the three questions, I want to tell it to you, but I'll do that in the next couple sessions. I, I want you to look up three things in Daniel as you're reading through. In, in chapter 1 specifically, what do you think the key element in Daniel's life kept him so strong so immovable and, and, and so willing to, to be uncompromising in his faith in the God that he loved, the living God. So question number one is uh, what, what kept Daniel, what's the element that kept Daniel so strong uh, that determined the rest of his, the outcome of his life? No matter what they did to him, I think it's this key thing uh, in his life that uh, kept him from ever cowering down, bowing down to anything else. I think it's very important. And if we have what he has that we're going to see in chapter 1, that no matter, come hell or high water in your life, uh, Jesus Christ is Lord. Come hell or high water, if they put you in prison, if they put you over here, if they take away this, if they do this, whatever else, whatever occurs. It's kind of like the Job. No matter what Satan did to Job, he wouldn't blaspheme God. Uh, he had a love for God, and uh, even in the little bit of knowledge that he had about God, you have more knowledge about God than Job did. God, I mean, Job simply knew God was the Creator. God was, you know, the the one that existed, and and he used the term Elohim, and he loved God, um, but he had less revelation of God than we have today. But what revelation he did have? He wouldn't let it out of his heart. He wouldn't let it out of his hand. Even when he cried out, even when he complained, even when he wished he would have never been born, even when he went through all the pain in his life, uh, one thing he wouldn't do, he wouldn't give up on God. He wouldn't blaspheme God. He held on. He trusted. Though he slay me, yet shall I trust in him, in Job. That's why I said earlier in this uh, uh, introduction, staying faithful to the Lord uh, through all the circumstances of your life, it will leave you with no regret. Regret. You look around right now in your life and think back a number of years. Do you ever have regret about what you uh, could have done, maybe should have done, maybe you know God gave you an opportunity, and you didn't do it? That's why I want to encourage you as you uh, just really take, make the most of every opportunity. But even that comes from the simple issue of being resolved that you're going to love God, that you're committed, that you're fixed uh, in your faith, you're fixed in your obedience, that uh, come hell or high water, come Babylon with its 56 temples, come all the demons breathing down your neck all around you, you uh, are going to stand in the mighty power of God. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. First John chapter 4, you know that, I know that. Dear fellow believer in Christ, I encourage you that no matter what occurs, 
that if we're coming to the time of the Black Awakening, the Great Revolt, the rise of Antichrist, so what? So what? I'm the opportunity is going to be this. It may also be the great time of a great spiritual awakening. God's going to put his two witnesses on the earth. There's going to be many people coming to the Lord. Many great things that God's going to do. Are there going to be Christians that will lose their life? Yes. Are there Christians losing their life in China or in Russia, South America, South Africa? What about the Sudan? What about a million five hundred thousand, you know, believers in Jesus who have been burned, hands cut off, and all the other things is being done? to them by by uh, Muslims instigated by the demon god the territorial demon god Allah so let me tell you something you and I as believers we need to again remember that hymn stand up stand up for Jesus ye soldiers of the cross lift high his royal banner it must not suffer loss so I want to encourage you today to be, uh, again, strong in the Lord. Whether you're listening to this in your car, driving down the road, whether you're at home by your table having some tea and some coffee, let me encourage you that the living, reigning Christ knows your name. Your name's written in the book of life, the Lamb's book of life. You are loved by God. He is not taking anything away from you. He is with you. He's, you know, let God's truth uh, pour against and through all of the satanic uh, oppression and lies. Rebuke the devil. Rebuke his lies. Throw them out of your life and uh, stand and build yourself up in your most holy faith. And if you don't have anybody else preaching to you the word of God, preach it to yourself, my dear friend. Preach it to yourself. Build yourself up and march and praise and thank, give, give thanksgiving to God and uh, pray God give you a couple of good brothers and sisters and be, form a little team and get out there and start doing great mission work for Jesus and you will see the wonders of God even in the, hellish, the, the hellishness of Babylon as it's rising around us. We still have much more freedom than Daniel did. We still have much more access than Daniel did. We have we still have far less uh, oppressive uh, a status than, than than Daniel did in his day. So, question number one: What was the key element in Daniel's life that kept him so strong? It's found in chapter one, and you can have the exact same element in your life. Let me ask you a question number two. What were some of the satanic obstacles to Daniel's walk with God? I am convinced right now as a fellow believer in Christ, as, a, as somebody who's been a pastor 30 years and so forth, and all the ministry that we've done, I am convinced that we Christians, especially in the United States, in the UK and places, we cave in too quickly. We don't know what it is to be tough and strong in the name of Jesus Christ. We don't know what it's like uh, for Saul of Tarsus that became Paul, the apostle, that began to serve Jesus. He's going down you know, to Lystria, and he's taken out into the city and beat up by a bunch of guys and left for dead. And eventually he gets back up, takes care of his wounds, dusts the, you know, the dirt off of him, and he gets right back up and he goes right back at it. <laughs> Can you come to the point where you are unstoppable? Yes. Can you come to the point where you are immovable? Yes. We're told in 1 Corinthians 15 to be you know, people of great courage, immovable in Christ, to show no compromise. Can you do that? I guarantee you can. Because you know what? 2 Peter chapter 1, you know what it says? His divine power, dwelling, living permanently in you, has given you everything you need for life, zoe, Christ-like life. And Eusebia, 
devotion to God. It's dwelling in you, my friend. And as you step out in obedience, the power of God will come through. Not only push and uh, seek your obedience, but live through your obedience and make you even stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger to the point that you will be a believer that will not give up, that will not cave in, that will not turn around, that will not run. No matter what occurs, you will not only hold the line, you will want to go out far beyond the line to get another soul saved, to pray down demonic presence, to uh, pick up a wounded brother or sister in Christ, So let me encourage you right now, my friend, let me encourage you right now that it is possible to do what the early church did. It really is. And it's the key element we see in Daniel's life. When you have the, do you want me to tell you the key element? Maybe you've already read it yourself. I I want to tell you it's so bad, but I kind of want you to study it yourself. Chapter 1 in Daniel, there's a key element. Maybe you can email me and, and tell me what you think it is. Um, because by next week, session 7, I will tell you uh, how I see it in the book of Daniel, chapter 1. Matter of fact, when you get, matter of fact, later on when you're reading the book of Daniel, especially chapters 7 through 11, Daniel is praying and praying and praying and praying, has no idea that the prince of Persia, who, by the way, may be the very same entity that Muslims call Allah, because the entity, the prince of Persia, is in the same location as uh, Allah uh, would, have, would have been when he revealed himself to Muhammad. The prince of Persia was a territorial and nationalistic, you know, uh, uh, demon, uh, god, small g. But I don't want to go too far into that right now. Daniel, uh, by the time you read through 7 and 8 and 9 and 10 and 11, you're going to find where as he's praying through and praying through, and he didn't even know that this uh, territorial demon was blocking, blocking answers in prayer. Do you remember the first thing that the angel said to Daniel when he got to him? An incredible thing that he said to Daniel. You who are highly esteemed. The angel speaks to the man Daniel, the servant of God, living in the worst demonic-infested you know, area. None of us probably live in the kind of area that Daniel lived in. Massive demonization, massive manifestation, massive opposition. And they sought to assimilate him in every way they could. And when they couldn't assimilate him and get him to bow down, they wanted to kill him each time. But even God preserved him in all of that because of that key element. And now the angel of God, the angel of God, would the God that an angel, you know, it would be amazing. I don't know what an angel would say if he showed up to me right now and said, Russ, uh, you're doing okay. You're doing okay. I don't know what he would say. But in Daniel's life, Daniel's praying through and struggling through, and the angel says, you who are highly esteemed. It's an amazing thing. As God would see a servant, and esteem one of his servants. And the angel told him that the, the day that he opened his mouth in prayer, the answer was sent. But there was opposition. Not only on the ground, but in the air. Territorial opposition. The demon god, the prince of Persia, was there blocking the angels from coming through until another angel came through in battle and busted through, as they do constantly win and brought the uh, answer and revelation and so forth to Daniel. And you can read about it. The living words of God. 
concerning what really occurred 2,000, 300, 2,400 years ago that has um, massive impact uh, for our lives right at this present moment and obviously speaks for our preparation of the future. Because the book of Daniel goes, listen, I can't wait till you study it again and just meditate over the Ancient of Days. The Ancient of Days, this referring to the God who has always been. He is the Ancient of Days. He is the one who has always been. He is the furthest one back. Uh, he is the God looking from a, this, the aspect of history, looking up and saying, man, this is the God who has always, always been. Uh, he is the awesome Ancient of Days. And when he arrives at one point in future history, future history, he will call for the books to come forth and judgment. The great white throne will eventually come about. Well, that was uh, question two. What were some of the satanic obstacles to Daniel's walk with God? You might want to list some of your own, what you think your own are, and compare them. Man, if we were to compare what some little things that we're going through compared to what Daniel went through, some little things that we're going through compared to what Christians in the Sudan and Dakar are going through, come on. Come on. Uh, come on. We need to be a little stronger than that. We need to be a little stronger and tougher in the Spirit of God than that. Let me tell you now, number three, the question. Why was God able to use Daniel uh, and do so much through his life? Even in the midst of such darkness, ritual, and uh, vast opposition to the God of heaven. Why was God able to use him and do so much? Well, that's again another question I want you to kind of answer, think through, but also begin to realize um, that... By this time, we realize we do not have to back ourselves into a corner in any way possible. We can, uh, no matter how dark it gets, how demonized it gets, I don't care if it's the face of the Antichrist himself. Come on, Christians. There's nothing greater out there in the world, nothing bigger. Megdala is the Greek word. First John 4, when it says, Greater is the one in you. Greater is God, the Holy Spirit, in you than the one, Satan, out in the world. That's why it says in Romans chapter 8, If God be for us, who can be against us? We are more than overcomers. The Greek word Nike. We win decisive victories as we stay obedient. We should be overcomers. We're told that in the book of Revelation, the seven churches, about being overcomers. Listen, my friend. Listen, my brother and sister in Christ. May God bless you and encourage you in difficulties. But I'm going to ask you and encourage you that uh, you can stand up and praise God and worship God and stand up for Him. Do it today. Do it tomorrow. Do it the next day. Do it the next day. And as you put forth your praise, your faith, your your prayers, and uh, you're, you're soaking yourself in the Word of God, and you're stepping out to begin to be a witness for Jesus, you're going to find yourself going from, from such weakness and uh, turning into such strength. It'll be an amazing thing. That's what it says in Hebrews chapter 11 too, by the way. Does it not in, in Hebrews chapter 11 tell us the same thing? That, uh, that by faith and our moving forward, and faith is always a forward-moving thing. It's never a, you know, a passive thing. Faith will bolt you forward. Faith is an active thing. I believe God, and I'll prove that faith by my actions, it says in James. Well, in Hebrews 11, it says that God, through their faith, not only were they commended for the faith, that they had in him. Uh, the world was not worthy of them, 
but um, he was able to turn their weaknesses into strengths. I don't care how many defeats you had. I don't care how many times you've, you've uh, groveled down to nothing. I am telling you that Jesus Christ is the great victor. He has come, his saving power is victory. His forgiveness is victory. The gift of the Holy Spirit is victory. The word of God unveiled in our lives and becoming a part of us is victory. Him living in us and over us and before us and behind us is victory. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. We're to have victory over sin, victory over Satan, and victory over the world. The book of 1 John shows us. And obviously Daniel had that. Even though he was pushed to the point of being ripped apart by the lions, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be burned, I mean to be burned beyond recognition. But you know what? They said they would not, no matter what, even if their God didn't deliver, he, our God is able to deliver. He's able to do it. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down to your stinking idols. We're not going to bow down to your your stinking dead idols, your demon gods. We're not going to bow down to the what led everybody else, Moloch, to burn their babies in the in the pan and 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 to do blood sacrifices into your mute dead idols. We're not going to bow down to Satan and to hell and destruction. No, we're going to serve the living God. We're going to serve Yahweh. We're going to serve Jesus Christ. So may God encourage you today. Now I want to share with you again that in the context of the next couple of weeks, I know the local students, I'll be showing a video, and um, I will put a link on the next update that I send to you also. But on the video, it's called The Seven Signs of Christ's Return. And I think if you go to Amazon.com, you can maybe get a used copy for 15 bucks. But it's worth that as a great documentary uh, giving some of the aspects of end-time events, but specifically as it speaks about the coming Antichrist. I really want you to see that. And uh, you know what? I want to tell you this right now. A number of the students here in the United States, over in England, listen, if you don't have the funds to be able to get your own CD, just send me a little private note. I, I will buy it and send it to you. I will buy it and send it to you because I think it's that uh, important to take. And you'll be able to use it with friends and and maybe even bring some non-believers around and say, hey, man, i got a film. I want you to see this. I want you to. Sh- I want to show you something that is amazing. I want you to see. What- tell me what you think about it and show them the film. Seven Signs of Christ's Return. And um, absolutely amazing. And uh, I think it's great to go and, and see that two or three times through as you're reading the book of Daniel and as you're going through the next number of sessions. Because as we go to 7 and 8 next week, 8 and 9, uh, eight and nine the week after that, uh, we're going to be doubling the sessions because of the time issue. Um, and I just think that we'll all have impact in your, you know, impact in your life. And I believe that God will take the content of what you're getting now you know, that's how it is in studying stuff. Like sometimes I'll be ministering. Sometimes I'll be working on material to go minister somewhere, to preach, to teach, whatever it may be. And I'll remember something, uh, or, you know, whether it's a book issue here or whatever else, from something 10 years ago, the Holy Spirit will remind me to use this as an illustration, that as an example, and so forth. And God will give that to you as you take this. Uh, and I'm sure as you're out on the streets or, you know, you, you're challenging uh, or you're going after your family members to win them to Christ, there's going to be many things you remember. As you go through spiritual battles, there'll be many things to remember. You know what one of those are? <laughs> one of those things to remember is when you're going through oppression in your life, 
go ahead and get up and march before the Lord like they did around uh, Jericho. I mean, just praise God and march and put on some praise music or sing a hymn that you know and just do it. Exalt God physically and spiritually and watch how the Spirit of God will strengthen you physically and spiritually uh, because Satan wants to suppress. If he can suppress your spiritual life, your faith, It'll eventually affect your emotions. Your emotions will affect you mentally and affect your body. And it's, it, it all begins to bring you know this catabolic uh, pressure on you. Where you could be praising God and worshiping God. He'd love to steal it all from you so that you can't strengthen yourself. But listen, if nobody else is going to preach the good word of God to you, preach it to yourself. Get up, build yourself up in your most holy faith. Strengthen yourself on a daily basis. Keep strengthening yourself. Don't just get by. Don't just survive. Celebrate in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Enjoy the Lord and all that He has given you. And uh, go beyond uh, the comfort zone and grow in the Lord. And uh, I will look forward to talking with you more in Session 7. To you, my dear friends and brothers and sisters, uh, may God give you great insight today, the moment you are listening to this. And I ask the Father to show you uh, tremendous things. I ask him to, right now, I rebuke in the name of Jesus Christ any oppression that is over your life right now. And I command in the name of Jesus of Nazareth for the enemies uh, working against you to be broken and I would ask the Father to expose any attack the enemy is bringing in your life and to show you how to appropriately respond. Listen, a lot of people can pray for you and, and help get the oppression away. But you know what's going to be necessary? For you to pray for yourself, for you to exercise the spiritual authority you have in Christ, and for you to do it. Would to God thousands of Christians knew how to do it themselves instead of having everybody else do it for them. You know, matter of fact, you know, um, I'm going to encourage you. Are you praying for me? Are you praying for me and uh, my life and our family? I would encourage you specifically this week. Maybe God's speaking to you. Maybe God's going to give you a word and send me the word, a verse of scripture, and send me a scripture. Take the time. Remember that in spiritual prayer mapping, you've got to take the time to listen to God. As you're pouring through, even with intensity sometimes in prayer, Keep listening to the Holy Spirit, listening to the Holy Spirit, what He's saying to you, so that uh, you can uh, mark it down and write it down and, and keep learning and keep growing and keep doing it. Well, again, blessings to you. Pour into the book of Daniel. Let the Word of God speak to you. The Holy Spirit will. Give Him the time to do so. Keep looking over the questions and just you know jot some notes down. Don't write me a book, but just jot some notes down and... Um, and uh, more than anything else, just uh, embrace, embrace your living Savior. Embrace Him, because He's embracing you. And Father, bless. And God, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name today, amen.